Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, Rebels, welcome back to the podcast and part two of our four part series. To give you a recap, we're talking about the four levels of careerist and how that impacts your career, leadership, and how you make choices in your career. Now, in the last episode, we talked about the drifter level and what keeps women there and what it takes to move off of that level. Today, we're talking about the next level, which is the hustler level. Now, I mentioned in the last episode about the structural, inequitable, patriarchal, and sexist systems and conditioning that are impacting everyone's ability, particularly the drifter's ability to be able to see what's possible and what's available to them. And I just want to note that that doesn't magically disappear at the hustler level or really at any of the levels for that matter. So just because I'm not talking about it doesn't mean it doesn't remain a factor. But what I really want to lean into on the subtleness that changes between one level to the next, what does change at each level is really the narrative and belief system that they hold and how the women on those respective levels are navigating those prevalent narratives and how they're guiding their career choices within the context in which I described. What's also important is gaining an understanding of if they're even willing to make a shift of their thoughts and perspectives and beliefs to ones that are more useful and productive for their lives and career. So while the societal conditioning doesn't change, what I really want to hone in as we move up into these different levels is how the belief system does need to change and the belief system that's often guiding us at these particular levels. So let's get into it. Now, for the drifter, one of their challenging narratives is that it's hard to believe it's possible to do work you love and get paid for it. There's more of a practicality and realism or let's face it, survival at this level, which guides how they take on their career path and any other career challenges that may come their way. The hustler, however, believes that there is a possibility for more, but the challenge here is that the work they quote unquote love is often not defined by themselves, but defined by family members or societal messages or well-meaning colleagues and friends. The hustler has bought into the societal blueprint that I've talked about quite a bit, which is attend a four-year university, preferably a well-established, reputable one, to get your degree in something practical and income generating, like engineering, accounting, medicine or nursing, teaching, law, computer science, or a major that will position you for a career in academia that may require a few advanced degrees. And then what you do is you land a great job in your field, which means it's offering a great salary and benefits. Like that's what a good job means. Not the work per se, but that is offering a great salary with benefits. And then you stay there and begin the upward climb on that proverbial ladder to success. Now, I just want to note that these levels really speak to women at midlife. So I'm I'm 
you know, when I talk about these levels and the impact and how they're thinking about these levels, it really is impacted by boomers and Gen Xers because those were, that's how we grew up. Those were the messages that we heard that influenced the decisions we made around our career. The younger generations, while there may be some relatability, but usually the millennials and the Gen Zs were raised in a different time with a different set of guiding principles when it comes to their careers, right? So the stay to play concept that we were raised with may be a little bit foreign to them. So this is reflected really by the average amount of time that we see each generation spends in their role. For example, studies have shown that baby boomers, and those are born between 1946 and 64, often stay on average of eight to 10 years in a role before they would put, even think about making a change. And Gen Xers, born between 65 and 85, they stay on average of maybe about five to seven years. But millennials and, G and Gen Z that were born after those years, they really don't stay longer than two years on average. And really, depending on where they are, it may be a couple of months more. But for the most part, we're looking at 18 months to two years before they're ready to move on. And this is an important distinction, because for the midlife hustler, it's about loyalty to the job. But for the younger generation, it's about loyalty to self, right? And not in a selfish way, but in a how can I develop my skills here and then move on to learn more. We were taught that work is an obligation and an expectation while the younger generation were taught work as an expression of self, talents, and gifts. So hustlers, on the other hand, are carefully placing and firmly cementing their career ladder within their new industry or organization, right? If you think back probably in your 20s when you got started, that's exactly what you've done. In the 80s, when I graduated from college, it felt like all the messages around what to do in your career were fed firmly through TV shows and movies, right? They're the ones that gave you the roadmap and reinforced the societal idea about what it meant to climb that career ladder of success. And remember, in the 80s, women were just moving into upper echelons, into organizations and working to break that glass ceiling. So we weren't that far removed from not being in the workplace at all, to actually taking positions within the workplace. So again, the messaging for most midlifes when we came into the workplace was very, very different. So movies like Working Girl or Baby Boom, which actually are some of my favorite movies, and Wall Street were some of the most memorable examples of what it meant to climb that ladder of success. And of course, TV shows like LA Law and St. Elsewhere all talked about the hustle required to be the best and make it to the top, and what it would mean if you couldn't cut it and were out of the game. And what they represented was that there was no coming back from it if you got cut, particularly if you were a woman. And so the struggle was real. And so you needed to plant a flag. You needed to plant that ladder and start climbing that ladder of success in order to prove yourself and showcase your worth and be able to demonstrate that you can play with the big boys, if you will. Right. So that was the messaging that those of us in as baby boomers and the Gen Xers, that was the script that we were given. And that's what we followed. And hustlers know that like the back of their hand because they bought into it. They said, sign 
me up and they went for it. Because at the time, that was what was shown as success. That was the example that was looked upon as the shining beacon and example of being able to have your career success. So it's a mantra and a message that was given over and over again that could be really, really challenging to break out of as you're climbing that ladder of success. So I definitely bought into that beautifully laid out prescription of success for the first decade or so of my career. In fact, now that I look back on it, it's funny to me how I was so focused and motivated to land that job and climb that ladder. And honestly, when I think about it, it never really mattered what the job was or where the ladder leaned as long as I could start climbing, right? Crazy, right? But how true is that statement for you? How true is that mindset that maybe you're having right now that that's all it takes? And listen, it's important to know that if you maybe were raised by a hustler, if you're listening and you're not a midlife, you still may be thinking that way. I mean, I had the attitude that whatever I got, I'd make it work. It was all good. So I dutifully went along and denied my dreams. I didn't even inquire about my dreams or desires or my interest, right? It was just about following the script, landing that job and working my way through. In fact, I remember the summer after my second year of law school, I took an internship in the securities and regulatory law department of a major corporation. Because I remember at the time, the labor and employment department had accepted all their interns. And that's really what I focused on in law school. Now, initially, my thought was, well, if I could just get in the company, maybe I can make some connections and ultimately kind of scoot my way over into the labor and employment department, right? They'll let me transfer and let me actually work where I really wanted to work to begin with. But I tell you, after about a month, and usually these internships lasted for about three, you know, when I wasn't able to make a move and I was stuck in securities, which let's be honest, I absolutely hated it, by the way. But I began to try and convince myself that maybe this could be a path for me, right? Maybe I should explore securities law. Why? Because I was enticed by all of the bells and whistles that went in along with the job as a securities attorney in that company. I mean, not too many lawyers when they graduate are making roughly about 275K right out of law school in the 80s. So the starting salary in that particular department and the amenities from that company where it was located on Michigan Avenue in Chicago and how the office was set up and designed and just all the benefits that went along with it. I mean, it was like being a kid in a candy store. Now, luckily, it was just an internship and not a permanent job. So it allowed me to snap back to my senses once it was over. And thank God for that, because I really would have gone down a path of just a pain and agony. But that's what happens to a, a lot of people at the hustle level. They're enticed by all of these external ideas and these external rewards of success that really motivate you to stay the course. Right. So at the hustler level, you're fully motivated by these external bells and whistles. And it's because you don't really know yourself or worse, you don't really trust yourself to make the best possible decisions for yourself and your career. Like after my first year of law school, I interned at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights, which was a highly prestigious and coveted internship. I mean, I was interning along people who went to Harvard and Yale and um 
you know, Columbia, like some of the top Northwestern, some of the top schools in the country. And there was me too, who was at, who went to Chicago Kent Law School, but I was an exceptional student. So I was able to land one of these really coveted positions. But the pay was honestly about 10 bucks above minimum wage, whatever it was at the time. And the offices were beyond old and dismal. I mean, think of like those old public interest community offices or old federal buildings. Like that's where these brilliant minds were working in at the time, right? And the attorneys who worked there did so because of the work and the impact that they were making in the world. And I mean, I was interested in working there myself for the very same reasons. But hustlers are often more attracted by the bright lights and shiny objects because they really haven't taken the time to assess what's really important to them, the ability to compromise themselves in order to get this external luxury and glory is very probable, right? Because they haven't taken the time to explore their identity or they've ignored or denied their deepest desires. The sway of luxury usually sends hustlers down a road that becomes really challenging to get off of. It's why I hear so many times people who have chosen careers, they're doctors and lawyers because their parents were in the same position position or their doctors and lawyers because of the income that they want to make and the lifestyle they want to have. Or they major in um, majors, they, they pick majors and choose majors in college because they think about the income they're going to make once they graduate, right? Whether or not they love it, they suffer through it and they just get through it till they get to the other side. Whether they have an interest in it, whether they have a proficiency at it, they do whatever they can in order to hit that number because they have this idea of the lifestyle that they want to live, right? And so they follow the path, plant that ladder and get to climbing so they can achieve it. Our society celebrates the rich and successful. So it's no wonder that that's what's chosen. And that's what's hoiled onto as an ideal of success in our society. Today, that idea of success hasn't really changed. Now it has broadened, and that people are defining success and are able to define success in multiple ways, but that still tends to be the governing idea of what success means. But for the midlife professional who's absorbed these ideas from the 80s and 90s, from movies like Boomerang, (laughs) well, the hustle was on. And hustlers are constantly following and working with that formula, right? Their eyes are keenly focused on achieving the next position outlined on their particular ladder. So if you're a manager, the next step is director, right? But why? Most people don't even know or can't even articulate why reaching the next level is important to them. All they know is that if I'm at this level of the ladder, I need to get to the next level because moving up signifies some type of success in their mind. And if you don't ascend up the ladder and you stay put at one rung or another, that somehow or other that signifies that I failed, that I'm not progressing, that something's wrong with me. When most, when, when, what happens most of the time is that there's really not even a lot of interest in doing what they're doing, let alone promoting to the next level, but a belief that that's what should happen. It's the natural order of things. It's the natural progression that they should be on. And this happens more times than I could count when 
I when women tell me that they want to promote, right? When I first meet a client, I'm working with them and they're like, okay, I need to hit the next level. And when I say why or ask them why, they either can't really articulate the reason or the reasoning isn't really aligned with wanting to promote, right? So they'll say things like, well, I want to make an impact. And even though when I ask them, tell me how you've already been making an impact, they can give me chapter and verse of all the significant impact that they made where they are right now. So if you're really already doing what you think a promotion will get you, then now what? Right? And then oftentimes when I keep pushing and asking the question, we get down to, well, I should promote. It's just the next thing in line. It, the more money would be great. And I should have that title, right? So there's a lot of these external reasons without any true exploration of if it even matters and why. And this is very typical for the hustler level. Hustlers have experienced success. They often have a good income and a pretty good title and are seemingly doing everything right. And while they're not miserable, they're definitely not overtly ecstatic or doing cartwheels about their career. And because the steady level of the steady level of lack of inspiration and lack of enthusiasm, there's a focus and belief that changing their circumstances will change that energy and lackluster emotion. That, well, if I can't get promoted and if I can't move up, then maybe I should change and do something different. Still looking at the external as the reason for what's going on and not the fact that they don't even know what they really want. And so they're looking for something to satisfy them because that's what the path says to do is either promote or find something at a higher level. So often they think the answer may be moving to a new department or moving to a new job. So your boss is moving to a new company and wants to take you with them and you're like, hell yeah, let's do it. But still the lackluster emotion and the lack of enthusiasm comes back. Or your bestie tells you she just relocated or moved to a new company and it's been amazing for her and you've got to make the move. So you do. And then after you begin, you know, working there for a while and again, the lackluster enthusiasm returns, you start cursing the day you met her. (laughs) And all of that is because you haven't realized yet that it's not the external rewards and validation and accolades that give you joy or even are really ideas of success for you, but that the truth is, it's really about you. It's about you and what you want and what matters to you. At this point, you're starting to realize that the compromises you made to climb that ladder are more important than you thought they were. That more money and titles actually only buys you longer hours and the inability to take a real vacation and not work through it. And your career life alignment is completely off. Now, it's a tricky place to be because you believe for so long that you are in the right path right? That you are in the right place. And at one point on the journey on your career ladder, you actually probably did love your work. You were enthusiastic about it. It was exciting to you. So there becomes a dissonance because you're like, well, I used to love it. So what's gone wrong? Well, it must be the environment. It must be the place. It must be because I haven't promoted. You thought you found the perfect one when you landed this career, but now something starts to feel a bit off. Things are not quite right. 
And the thought of exploring that feeling a little deeper or pulling on the string to find out what's really going on, honestly, scares the shit out of you. And why is that? Because of that faint little voice in the back of your head that's whispering to you, what if I made the wrong choice? Right? What if the decision I made those years ago that put me on where I'm at now, that ladder I pushed firmly up against this building and started climbing, was not the right ladder for me? And that can be a very sobering and scary thought. So instead of exploring it, we find other things to do, right? You begin to think, well, if the choice was wrong after all these years, How do I make the right decision for myself? How do I even know how to make the right decision for myself? So you dangerously ignore that voice and chalk it up to a bad year or just some shit going on at your job or in your life, or that it's just the price you have to pay to achieve success, right? You tell yourself it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows at a job anyway. So why really complain? And all of that could, there could be some truth into some of that. But the reason I said dangerously ignore is because most women at the hustler level try to outwork that voice, right? They try to silence it by doing more or doing something different, right? In our society, we love to take action. So instead of stopping and thinking and exploring, we figure let's do something different. Let's get that resume together. You know, let's push for that promotion, that transfer or find something new. So they either take on more projects or make slight shifts in their work that they're doing. But overall, they continue to overwork, overcommit, which ultimately leads to burnout and a lot more frustration. They become a bit, um, they become bitter about their recent employer. They start blaming their employer for their circumstances and why they feel stuck and frustrated because it's easier to believe that it's the external circumstances that are causing all this pain and negativity as opposed to what could be true, which is that they put themselves in that circumstance. So as a result, hustlers become highly skeptical about alternative moves that will take them off their path and will just try to wait it out because the fear of what's on the other side that keeps them building and building the opportunity to maybe go someplace different. So they continue to build this wall that it has to be something else than themselves because it's a very unsettling thought to think that maybe I made the wrong choice And then now, if I made the wrong choice, then how can I trust myself to make the right choice tomorrow? But that's not the case. That's the danger of believing that that's true. Because just because you made a decision in your 20s and 30s doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Now that you're in midlife, you have the opportunity to make a new one. So you never made a wrong decision. Now you get to make a new one. And that's the switch and the change of the narrative that the hustler has to hold on to in order to step into something new. And it's definitely a precarious position to be in because on the one hand, you've invested so much of your time and energy as well as your hopes and dreams on that ladder that you climbed. And on the other, you've eroded your self-trust in making the right decisions for your career. And at this point, it usually takes a significant act or incident to snap you out of the sadness or disappointment which will enable you to take on a new and uncharted path. 
you know, so you don't want to wait until things become so much until you're at extreme levels of burnout, uh, until you hit a health bump, or until something dramatic happened to you, that you're finally like enough is enough. Now I need to do something different. You want to start listening to that voice that's telling you, maybe this isn't the right choice. So if you can identify with a hustler, your work here is to learn how to regain your self-trust, to stay out of regret, and to reconnect to what matters to you. While your initial thought may be to just find something new, that's the worst thing you could do right now, because you'll simply be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire, and it will continue to erode your self-trust. And I know you're a hustler, and you like to get things done and take action and make a move, But your first move should be to slow down and to spend time reconnecting with you. Listen, you've been on autopilot for so long, you don't even know what direction you're going because you've just been going without thinking. You've never even wondered how you got to where you are. You're looking around thinking, what happened? Is this the the way it was when I started? Is this where I thought I would end up and where I would be? So now is the time to slow down, take your foot off the gas, get off of autopilot and start paying attention to not only where you are, but where you want to go next. Not where you think you should or what society tells you, but what feels right for you. When I stopped practicing law, if I had a dollar for everyone who thought I was crazy for not continuing in that practice because of the potential income and the prestige of the title and the role, I would still be miserably practicing law. And that's the danger of the hustler. Through this process, you'll start building a deeper level of self-awareness. You'll start connecting to your personal identity, not your professional identity that you so beautifully crafted connecting you to who you are now at midlife, not when you were 20 or 30 something, and you made the decisions that led you to where you are now, that have guided you all these years. But instead, reconnecting to who you are now, rediscovering who you are now, and letting who you are guide what you want, letting your thoughts, your dreams, and your values and beliefs guide your next career step, as opposed to external ideas of where you should be in your career, what you should have in your career, or what other people are telling you should do to do in your career. Now more than ever, particularly in the future of work and the landscape that we live in, this work is imperative. And honestly, now more than ever, for women in midlife, this work is definitely imperative. And listen, if you are ready to figure this out, I invite you to join me in Fearless, the Career Rebel Academy, and let the healing and transformation begin to take your foot off of autopilot and start actually driving the car, to start charting the path, and to start plotting the course to what matters to you. Now, right now, we're accepting members for our February cohort. So just click on the link in the show notes and submit your application today. We will review it and get you going right away. And there you have it. That's the hustler level. And that's all I have for you today, Rebels. Join us next time when I will dissect what it means to be at the established level, which is next. So I see you next time. And until then, have an amazingly rebellious week. 
That's it for this week's episode. Hey, and if you're loving what you're learning, be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. Also, don't forget to read the show notes and grab the free resources mentioned so you can start implementing what you're learning right away. Finally, are you ready to unlock your potential and fearlessly go after the career and life you want? Then join me and a community of other high-achieving women in midlife, stepping into new levels of leadership, switching it up to do the meaningful and fulfilling work they're meant to do, and glowing up by creating the systems of freedom to achieve their dreams in Fearless, the Career Rebel Academy. You'll find the link in the show notes. Simply fill out the application and together we'll determine if this is the right fit for you. I can't wait to see you there.